Hey, and welcome to Wise Monkeys Podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Fronza. Today I'm talking to Danique van de Kerkhoff. She is a writer for Intuity, a blog on personal development. She also works for the biggest Dutch research organization on teams ranging from methods to increase societal quality of living to clean energy transition. In today's conversation, we dove really deep into fear, courage, and Danique shared her story with how she dealt with epilepsy. That was really hardcore and how much her mindset changed after a brain surgery. We jumped in how to be more in contact with nature and with our relationships when living in a city during a pandemic. This chat made me reflect a lot about life and I hope it helps you to reflect as well. And now I lead you to Danique van de Kerkhoff. What would be a, a challenge for you if you had to do it just for a day that you're not so interested, but you assume that if you were to face it, it would change your life in some way. It would give you more courage. Yeah, I think it would definitely be being on a big stage for people. And it doesn't have to be that I make jokes, but give an inspirational talk to people. Yeah. That's something that I scare because I don't like to be in front of big crowds. I did it once and I was terrified, <laughs> yeah. but I did it and I was very proud of myself afterwards. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. But it was not like, it was not an inspirational talk or anything, but I think that would be really good for me because I got the feeling that I can do it. It would empower me. I have a feeling that when you teach your body or your mind that you're not going to die if you fail, it empowers people a lot. In fact, I remember when I met my flatmate, Abby, we went to personal development courses and some of them, you had to expose yourself to rejection. We had to, with a group of like four people, describe in detail like the things that they regret the most in life or they... If they were to die, what they would miss. So we had this deep conversation among us in our group of five people. And I'm like, wow, I'm sharing stuff I haven't shared before with anyone. And then the speaker of the workshop said, okay, everybody, now that you share these deep ideas, I want you to go to the street. Each member of your group is going to shout in a crossing when people are waiting to cross for two minutes or a minute, all their insecurities. <laughs> Oh my God, oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, well, we did it. It was amazing. And I got a high five when uh, the light turned green and people crossed. The guy came, yo, dude, awesome. Boom, high five. <laughs> so people really value it. Oh yeah. But still, people are really terrified to show their vulnerabilities and dark sides and insecurities. and. Uh, I think some people, when they see that shit, they it inspires them to do it. Not to scream as well, but to to face their own things. They're like, man, this fucker is screaming here in the streets. The things that are way worse than the ones I'm super afraid to share with people close to me. Yeah, or they recognize a lot of the fears and things that happened to, to them. And they kind of realize that everyone encounters the same kind of shit in their lives. Yeah. People go through that shit and... 
I respect the ones that have courage. <laughs> I, I didn't wake up that day thinking, oh, today I'm going to scream my insecurities. I didn't feel like it. No, it's, it can be your first step to go and work on them. Yeah. So Did it change afterwards? Yeah, it, there is this book called uh, Anti-Fragile. And the premise of the book is people usually get weaker when they face tough situations. But if you develop a strong mindset about it, you actually get stronger. You see your challenges as the powder that will make your cannon pop. Yeah. If you actually see it as a challenge that you can conquer, then your body adapts to that. But if you think like, oh my God, I can't do this, then your yeah. body doesn't believe in it as well. You yeah. Know? And the other part is that you always expose yourself to some degree of discomfort. And that way you, you start feeling comfortable everywhere. One of the things that the book recommends is that you take a cold shower every day. Just that act alone. Already it's like you wake up and you face the most painful part of your day right away. And after you spend a minute under the shower, you're like, oh, you know what? This feels good. It's not <laughs> so bad. Yeah. No. I think that courage is... Uh, people don't talk much about it. Can you remember a very courageous moment of your life? Wow, that's a quite a deep question. I think it took quite some courage to always have to believe that my epilepsy would be healed, that I would recover from it, even though I didn't know. You didn't know that it could be healed? No. <laughs> some people have it their whole lives. Yes. Yeah. How long did you have it for? Ten years of my life. Fuck. Yeah. How intense is it? Yeah, in the beginning it was not so intense. I didn't need to use drugs when I was 12, so... And the drugs were the worst. Not good for a child to get, I think. Because I was in that stage when you're 12, you're developing yourself, you're a teenager and you go to high school and you still need to discover a lot of yourself, your personality, what you want in life and what life is about, even. And uh, yeah, the drugs just made me a bit numb, you know? Like, you're not really experience life, but experience it through a filter. Sounds like an antidepressive drug. It feels a bit like that. Yeah. It is a drug that suppresses your brain a bit. Yeah. So it's kind of similar, but I've never took antidepressants, so I don't know. Yeah. So the drugs was quite a bad part of it. But uh, yeah, also, of course, the fear of having seizures. That was also yeah something that uh, could affect my life quite a lot and of my parents what happens when you have a seizure how it would start with me is people with epilepsy sometimes get these they call it auras it's something that they experience before they have a seizure and it can be that they experience something weird in their heads or they feel a numb feeling in their hands mm -hmm. can be a lot of things can it be good yeah it could also be that you have some kind of weird change of your emotion actually that it's more in your brings emotion field okay so that you suddenly get very excited or very sad i would just experience some vague feeling in my head very foggy feeling but it was not so it was not so bad necessarily yeah after a while i would just like feel a certain pressure coming up in my body and my throat it's like a feeling of throwing up but it's and after a while you kind of feel like your body is just so tense and 
there's this energy in your brain that you can't relieve and you can't do anything. You're like lose all power over your system, your body, your you can't do anything. And then your eyes start to close in a very weird way and you you feel your body shake and after a while you feel like you're starting to you can't breathe anymore and uh yeah, it's very scary. Sounds like you're being exercised. Yeah. It feels like that. So What? I think back in the days when it was Middle Ages, people with epilepsy weren't seen as kind of possessed or bewitched people. Fuck. You would me. burn them. Well, I'm glad you were born <laughs> this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Caesar, it ends for me at least with a feeling of suffocation. <laughs> And then you pass out. And how long later did you wake up? Yeah, it's... I changed. Sometimes it can be an hour. Sometimes it was twenty minutes or so. Did you ever pass out by yourself? Yeah, in bed I would. Yeah, I would wake up so sometimes with, and then I would feel like a seizure would come up, and I would, would really terrify me. Yeah. You would wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then you feel like a seizure is coming. Yeah. You have the seizure. And then, and then you you've kind of. You pass out and you're in, in a very deep sleep afterwards. Yeah. And then you only remember the next day. Oh my God, it happened. Yeah. How does it feel when you wake up? Very exhausted. It's like you haven't had any sleep <laughs> during the night because it's so exhausting for your body. Whoa. It's very odd. And I would expect it when you pass out, you at least rest. Yes. Yeah, you 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 rest. You sleep a lot, but you still feel like your body has used so much energy. That you're just not rested and I would often bite my tongue because your jaws become very tense and then there was blood and it uh, was not fun. <laughs> What age was this happening between? 12 and 22. Yeah, wow. in some phases it was worse than others and I... It happened until 22? Yeah. You're 27 now. Yeah. Wow, so your life just got thing. normal recently. Yeah, to not have to live with the fear anymore, to not have to take medication is such a relief. It's so nice. It's still very grateful. Could you find relief and peace without the cure? Probably not. Wow. So you'd spend your entire life suffering? Yeah, they would probably give me more medication. Man, that's one way to live. Yeah. It sounds like you, you've you been cursed. Yeah, maybe I would have tried other things, you know? Maybe a very strict ketogenic diet, because I've never tried it before my surgery. Yeah. Maybe that would have saved me. Could have been the case. How does keto help? The ketogenic diet is basically a very high-fat diet that they often prescribe for people, and especially children with epilepsy. Some children really benefit from the diets. Their they seizures or dis disappear or just appear in a very lower rate. So for some children, it's really beneficial. And does it work for adults as well? I think the the research they have is mostly focused on children. And I don't know why, but I think it's because it's focused on a specific type of epilepsy that only children have. I don't know what it would be like for adults. Yeah. Does it get better as you age? It can get worse. Fuck. If you have it as a child, you can grow over it. Mm -hmm. 
But I was already at 22. And then he said, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's probably getting worse. Only. What a fucking sentence yeah. for life. Man, that sounds horrible. It sounds like someone cursed you when you were a child. And other people. Yeah. Were. And still they don't know how it's, what yeah. it was. Okay. So they basically removed the part of my brain in the surgery. A small amount. Yeah. Uh, like a grape. They researched the part of my brain that they removed. And then they never found any wrong structures in there. They never found out. So <laughs> it was very weird. It was just... Did they put it back? No. <laughs> but it was just the location where all of the bad stuff happened. Where it went wrong. When you were a kid and you found out that you had seizures, epilepsy, what would you exchange for the cure? Oh, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Because it sounds to me like something that I really wouldn't want to have in my life. No, no one would want to have this. Yeah. Especially not as a child. Yeah. How did it change once you got cured? Once they did the surgery and you didn't suffer anymore? <clears throat> yeah, it was just a very weird, very weird stage of my life. So when you have the surgery, you still don't know if you that's the cure, you know. You will only find out four or five years later if it cured you. No way. So. What a fucking jackpot. It is kind of, yeah. Man, that's like the biggest gamble. So you had a certain amount of chance that if the surgery wouldn't do anything, you had an, a chance that it would make it worse. Or you would have the chance that you would be cured and you have to make a decision on your chances. And they couldn't say much about the chances before. Of course, they could give estimations, but I could remember that the chances of it being cured weren't so super high, you know? So it was still, yeah, just take the leap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then after the surgery, you're also on medications for at least three or four years still. So you still have that feeling of being numb and you want to be happy, but so still can't be happy so much but you're still waiting on is this it is this gonna yeah is this gonna cure me uh, those years were quite hard as well wow wow we take our health for granted so much yeah uh, when I hear that it makes me realize uh, how much I take mine even though I work on it all the time making sure to sleep well eat well Take care of your temple. Not only take care of your temple, but also of your mental stage. And the fact if you have fulfilling relationships and are happy with your career, you have joy in your life. It's also so important. You can exercise six times a week and eat 500 broccolis. <laughs> but still, if you're unhappy and have stress from other parts of your life... No, that... that then that, it's not gonna work it doesn't work of course it's like the basis of the pyramid of maslow <laughs> you need it but and but it doesn't mean you're gonna be happy with it it just means it you need it and without it your life's gonna suck to survive we don't need so much food <laughs> well then let's start cutting it <laughs> but life is not just, just to survive right no it's about 
sharing joy and be happy. Yeah. So the question I have is, how did it change the way you see the world once you finally got back to normal? Because you did. At the end, you are okay. Yeah, man, I came out so much better afterwards. It took me quite some years after the surgery to get to this state and quite some inner research. Yeah, just take every day as a day that is given to you. But I must say that the further away the surgery is, I find it harder to have this sense of gratitude. It's kind of simmers away. The pain is long gone. Yeah, the pain is long gone. You get just used to your new situation. Like, this is it. Yeah. And that feeling of being in such a bad state, it it goes to the background as well. Yeah. So. Do you think to bring that awareness to life, you need to always think about how things could be worse? I guess the happiest person is the one who can be a bit pessimistic. Guys, we have an empty fridge, but look, we have a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing the glass, uh, seeing the glass half full. Yeah. If you can see negative things that happen to you as an opportunity to learn from them. Yes. Then your mind frames it in a different way. But then eventually your mind will reframe back the way it used to frame things, you know? If you don't keep exposing yourself to yeah to fear and discomfort. If you're being too comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like we are constantly running on this. We're running for feeling fear. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And for, for just fear itself and for the feeling fear. Yeah. And if we don't, it's like a house that keeps on falling and you constantly needs to adjust and and hammer things or else. I think it's very natural for our body. I was just reading a book today about fear, actually. The name of the book is The Fear Cure, Cultivating Courage as Medicine for the Body. It's a book by Lisa Rankin. And she introduces the concepts of real fear and fake fear. Real fear is all about you being in a life-threatening situation. You um, have almost have an accident on the road and you... At the speed of light, you can just avoid the accident because you see it happening and your body's in a state, a very alert state to get you out of the accident. So it, it has a very good purpose in the sense that it can save you when you are in life-threatening situations. But nowadays, we don't really encounter these life-threatening situations so much anymore. Not back in the days when we were hunter-gatherers, when you be aware all the time see if there were invaders but it's not the case anymore or like our mind still makes up a lot of stories in our heads on how things could go wrong you have a presentation at work and your mind creates all these mental stories about how it can go wrong and what people might think and how you can't do it and it's the concept of fake fear it's your mind creating a sort of illusion of a situation of what might happen mm -hmm. in the future but it's fake it's not really there yeah but our minds are just very good at it and it's also a way of protecting ourselves from harmful situations but they're just 
not real. Yeah. But it was very interesting. We experienced this fake fear daily. Yeah, all the time. I was never so aware of the fears, I think, but I actually think I have quite a lot of fears going on because they're not so vivid, but I think it's very indirect for a lot of people. Unconscious. Yeah. And how do you become aware of this, these unconscious fears? Is it after you read the book or is it something you notice since you got a dog that you... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> also more. It's like, oh, look after him. A no, very small, it, cute dog. He's very cute. Like yeah. a teddy bear in public. Oh, he's sleeping right now. Um, no, I think after reading that book, I was definitely more aware of that voice in your head who can create a whole story about things. I think it's gave the example of a guy who wanted to change jobs and it was he was writing what his mind thought about that. It's like, oh, I want to change jobs because I'm not so happy anymore here and I think I can do it. And then... Another voice would tell him, like, no, you think you can do that? Who do you think you are? <laughs> and then you have this voice speaking to you the whole time. You're going to be broke. You're going to end up on the street. Oh, do you really want to live with your mom? <laughs> and then the other voice would like, but I'm just not happy here. I want to I wanna change. And you have this dialogue in your head oh, all the time. And God. it's like a, a surf that yeah. continues. And I actually recognize that I... I sometimes do that thing. Yeah, we all do it. It's called rationalization. Some kind of inspiration in you that wants you to change things in your life. Yes. And then you're like your fearful voice, the fake fear is coming to stop you from doing that because yeah. you're entering change and a different situation and your mind can't predict what will happen. Yeah. And then creates a block. I think it's called limiting beliefs. Yeah. You yeah. Can talk about it as limiting beliefs. Yeah. Fake fears, I think. It's if you think about it, like, you don't want to succeed because it requires that you admit your faults, that you are exposed in public. Yeah, people will know the real you. That you're vulnerable. Yeah. And so you prefer to hide in the shell and and blame at the world. Yeah, exactly. Be frustrated. You're also kind of disappointed at yourself that you you don't get out there, you know? And you get frustrated, I think. Man, then you become so small. I'm small and it's just the ways for society, you know? Yeah. Think more of someone who just follows the crowds, follows uh, what the society expects of the person. Yeah. And it's hard to not do that. I suffer myself from that as well. You always have this voice of what society expects you to do, what is normal and what can be possible even. Get married, buy a house, have children, find a yeah. cool job. I retire at 60, uh, what else do they say? Buy a ring. Buy a ring. Have a yeah. nice car, have two cars, yeah. go on holidays twice a year. Yeah, it's just not what I want. The yeah. holidays? But not the holidays. <laughs> but not the life that is just already created for you. I don't know, I think I would just feel locked up, locked up in a life that you didn't choose. We, we idealize people who break from the shackles of social conditioning. The hero, the rock and roll uh, star. But doing it ourselves is scary. Yeah. If only you could see the result of your actions before you take them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's part of the learning process. Well, it would be very Jump interesting. In. <laughs> it would be very interesting if you knew that what you're doing right now, whatever it is, like you're suffering and and you don't really see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But let's say 
every day you get to have a glimpse of something in the future and then you it would allow you to see okay if every day you do this uh in 10 years from now you will have this life and yeah that would make things a bit more hopeful yeah I think. yeah um how can you achieve that i think there is some kind of deeper knowledge inside yourself you can call it intuition I call it intuition is to steer you in the right direction mm-hmm. of your actions. And as long as you can listen to that, that's not a voice. I think it's more of a feeling that you have and not yeah. to the fears. Then it will give you some direction. But it's, of course, much more fake than having, um, yeah, than having images of the future. Yeah. A bit more vague. Yeah, it's quite a practice to learn how to listen to your intuition. Yeah. Think about as well, like your intuition is very important, but also there is one when learning a skill or starting your new business, there's always some frustration going on with that, I think. And when shit is not going well, you still need to be able to continue, but maybe your intuition is not guiding you the right way then. Or maybe you're just not listening to it. (laughs) It reminds me the conversation we had today with this dog owner in the park. Uh, Our dog was saying hi to his dog. And uh, he said that he just adopted a dog. And I said, why did you get a dog? And he's like, ooh, deep question. Let (laughs) me think. He said that he worked in tourism. And as soon as Corona came, his identity was destroyed. Because he, he had his own business, he worked eight days a week, <laughs> and suddenly he didn't have a job, he didn't have money, he didn't have anything. He, he was super depressed. Even when he was telling the story, he got emotional for yeah, a second. he was. And when he started to get back to normal, he got a dog to get him out of the house, and eventually have to... Have a rhythm. And in a way, Corona came to him, tear his life apart, but it also... Gave him some balance now. That's what he said. Yeah, some balance and also a way to discover who he is outside of his work. Outside of his business. Who are you? Yeah. And I think that's very important. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of person are you? So imagining that in his situation, his intuition is telling him to find a way, fight harder manage but the world is closing there's no more tourism for two years yeah it's or more so if he had the power to see what would happen in the future imagine how much anxiety would be relieved because in the end anxiety and fear is more like you projecting this fake ideas of death or not surviving towards Yeah. yeah towards the result of your actions yeah, for him it would be very helpful. Yeah. When was the last time you really listened to your intuition? Yesterday morning. What happened? I woke up a bit stressed for some reason. Oh yeah, you told me. I think I didn't sleep so well the night before and I've been doing a lot of investments recently and changing my strategies and I realized that I have a lot at play here and when I make a change I hope things will work but of course when you play with cryptocurrencies or the stock market 
you're playing a game against other people and you have yes. you you must have your technical analysis really sharp and your fundamental analysis really sharp which means you got to keep on reading what's happening and how this could be change the world and and which projects are benefiting the best and also shouldn't be so greedy right exactly yeah you can't always buy the lowest price no or sell the highest price and no you need to also be able to say when is it enough when am i going to sell yes yeah. you see all of human emotions especially fear it's quite a good way of training yourself 100% yeah and i think most people they've they collapse before they succeed or only lose money you know i i know quite some people lost money yeah, yeah. i know some people too yeah it's a subject that people are lazy or they it seems a bit too alien seems a bit too boring and you just rather not learn it if you were to dive into it a bit you would see that it can give you some kind of freedom at least financial freedom if you yeah. work on it yeah you need to have a certain curiosity on how it works yeah how money works as well and before we get in that tangent uh -huh, i woke up feeling a bit stressed because you need to really work on your mind when you're dealing with laws and greed and it's <laughs> it's definitely it's a, a very interesting experience and <laughs> i woke up and i felt a bit stressed and i'm like you know what um today i'm going to take care of myself i'm not going to stress out about feeling this way i had a great morning with the dog in the park <laughs> great morning just play just playing teaching him some tricks uh stretching i saw a parrot being attacked by a crow and he couldn't fly anymore the crow ran away after all the parrot family attacking the crow so me and two ladies we Attack. came to the parrot and one of them called a pet ambulance which is a, a dutch thing they came to pick up the parrot it's fascinating that there are parrots here in northern europe the story is that someone was a bit annoyed at the zoo and decided to go there and free all the animals and the parrots stayed as part of Forever. the <laughs> the local nature but uh yeah for me i even wrote in my journal i use a mood journal and in the morning i set the mood to so so and in the afternoon i set the mood to amazing because once i had time for myself i didn't even take my phone out with me I didn't want to hear music. I just wanted to... I think at some point it started to rain a bit and I was loving it. Yeah. I yeah. did some breathing technique. I meditated a bit. But no pressure in any of those things, you know. I didn't do them to feel better. I just know... You just felt like doing it. I just felt like doing it, yeah. yeah. Then I got home, played guitar, made some art, cooked... Man, just a nice day. Had a nice day, and then at the end, I felt so much power. Nice like, back. Yeah. yeah, wow. This tells you that your body is just very smart in telling you that you need certain things and that you need to listen to it. Yeah. And when you feel your body and uh, listen to your intuition, then um, you'll get back to good state again. You have a nine to five, and you. Yeah, you need to work every day and it's... A lot of people have. You kind of stop listening to your body at some point. 
Because you have to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, you can't always listen to your body no. at that moment. Damn. That point. Yeah. And then how do you balance succeeding financially, which requires work and hard work? The world is pretty competitive with you not being designed for that kind of work, sitting so many hours, staring at a screen, being stimulated by high fructose emojis and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, interesting news feeds. I agree that I think people are just not designed to work in offices. Man, and then we take medicine for our minds. Yeah. To, can you believe it. that? We are fucking monkeys. <laughs> that came from the yeah. jungle. We had the most functional and free way of living. I'm not saying that it was amazing to be in the jungle. <laughs> but one advantage was that they were hunting, they were cooking, they were gathering, they were chilling with the family, it was the, the tribe. And they had this more vivid lifestyle. Because I guess uh, survival was always knocking at the door, <laughs> but uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not glamorizing being native, living in the jungle, but we definitely lost touch with touch nature. with nature. I completely agree with that, and I think that's why you see a lot of highly educated people that studied for a long time, worked in offices. You see them going back to professions where they work with their hands and just. Do woodwork or gardening, gardening, for Cooking. instance, you know, and I, I get that hunting. <laughs> it's going back to the roots, I think, yeah, of what what people are designed to do. That makes me want to do some gardening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. I, I, I know uh, it is. I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it gets me in a really relaxed state. Just take care of something, you know, and see it grow, and it's really nice. Yeah. I'd like to give it more time. The more years pass, I want to spend more time outside in nature and less time being exposed to artificial things. Yeah, I guess, because they don't really make you feel alive. It's there and it's functional. It has a function, a social function work function but what really makes you feel alive is connecting with nature connecting with other people really live <laughs> yeah not live in the matrix fuck i always thought the matrix was amazing <laughs> i fell asleep halfway the movie <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a mistake we're going to be corrected yeah <laughs> i definitely think it's a good idea to connect more with nature Yes. What is nature for you? Good question. Well, the, the biological world, grass, animals, plants. So something that is sand. Like artificially created is also nature for you. Like a park. Is that nature? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has another de definition. Yeah. I mean, okay, the park is a bit too stimulating. I prefer to go on a trail in Brazil. I prefer that more mm -hmm. than going to the park and taking my dog and working out in the machines there. The more lost in the jungle, but hey, it's green. It's green, yeah. <laughs> it's green, it's dirty. It's growing. <laughs> yeah. 
you see all these dogs, it's amazing. And also the parks here in the Netherlands, they have a lot of water as well. Lakes, ponds, canals, rivers. I love it. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. When the weather is good. When the weather is good. Yeah. Yeah. Also nature for me is people as well, but not in our urban environment. Like connecting with people in the way that you would connect when you are in some retreat or dancing with that person in like in an ecstatic dance fashion. You know, when you're just dancing without speaking and you have eye contact and you really going back to feeling and Yes. Connecting yeah. with others. I think especially in living in a big city that connection connection with people is often a bit lost. Well, you don't really say hi to people on the street anymore. Different than living in a small village where everyone knows you. And I noticed that having a dog, for instance, having a very cute dog. Yeah, it connects you. Brings you back with <laughs> yeah. connection with others and just suddenly you have a reason to talk to people on the street again. But I think it's just very weird that we don't speak with each other normally when we yeah, see we, each other. We sort of just ignore each other. Yeah. And compare fashion. But I would say that um our brains, they are actually designed to look at other humans and assess if they belong to your tribe or not. And strangers, well, you don't know them, but they are everywhere. So it always puts you in a little bit in a, I can't trust this person state. You don't just trust people you meet fully. You, you might assume they're good people, but you wouldn't just give the keys to your house and tell the address and be like, I trust you. You look like a good person. So this, I don't trust other people. It might cause a little bit of stress. I think that explains in part why a lot of people move away from the big cities into small towns or, or rather even they go to suburbs, have three neighbors. Hey neighbor, how is it yeah, going? Where they have the feeling that they know each other and can trust each other in a small community. Yeah. That's how we are design anyways right yeah to be in a small community and know each other and have this community feeling but also help each other out when things get hard yeah in the city of course you have your friends but you don't really have this community feeling no no if people are not part of your community what are they they're people yeah i see them but i don't know who they are you know so funny that we want to be around these strangers. Yeah. I'm I'm also now questioning why do we even live in a city? Yeah. Cuz it doesn't sound so great. No. No. <laughs> Especially once you deal with lockdown and everything is closed, you're like, man, why? My life here is doesn't is not better than in a smaller town. No one. And, and I pay more to live here. Exactly. Yeah, part of the reason to live in a city is that there is always something going on, you know, and you have this buzz around you, things things are happening, but I think now with Corona, there's not so much going on anymore. I think I like that in some ways. Yeah, I also like it because <laughs> it gives you just less stress of things where you have to go through or... It puts you more in contact with yourself. One advantage for sure is that you reduce this fear of missing out. It's FOMO for parties and events and 
hangouts and I used to be much more social in the past. It's constant neediness for being <laughs> social environments and meeting people and hanging out with friends and and the biggest difference for me after a month of corona was damn I'm really happy with three friends. I'm really happy alone. Yeah. yeah. I'm really happy just with you and not having to plan some big going somewhere. Can cook at home. Damn, we got amazing at cooking. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we even <laughs> have a cooking hats. So <laughs> pro as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings you a bit more back to yourself and to the the friends that you really, really value. It's yeah. not about the quantity anymore, but the quality. Yeah. And it's so nice to experience really deep relationships with people and I can't even imagine that you wouldn't have that, you know, that you would only have these superficial relationships with others and that would just revolve around talking to each other on uh, social media and... Yeah. Belong to big WhatsApp groups yeah. full of people that you would so never hang out directly. Yeah. It's so lonely, I think. Yeah, so you're surrounded but lonely. Really invest in the, the people that you value and that you feel connected Oh, man, this is one of those things you got to do early, huh? Early? Yeah, early in life. Why? Because you don't want to... This is one of those things that compound over time. And if you don't figure it out when you're younger, you don't want to age to be a 50-year-old with no friends. This is a fear. From my side, you mean? Or? No, it is a fear that determines the life, I think, if you think that way. It's like... Oh, I need to invest in friends right now, so I, I'm not going to be lonely when I'm 50. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. It's more like you definitely want to have good friends when you're younger. These friendships, they become better as they no, age. Okay, you mean like... So imagine you're 50 and you have to make new friends and you don't actually have support. Imagine someone at the age of 50 who only has superficial relationships. Yeah. It takes uh, quite some time to learn how to have deep relationships. So to figure that out is an investment. Like how do you create connection with people? How do you feel depth in a relationship? But I do think that at a later age you can make really good friends. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that a friend that you have for 10 years is better than a friend that you have for two years. That's absolutely right. Because you can have this really strong connection with someone. Yes. It's like relationships, it's a training experience. If you were my first girlfriend, I would make a lot of mistakes that I've already learned not to do <laughs> with my previous relationships. Yeah, that definitely goes off for relationships. <laughs> and it w it works for friendships as well, in my opinion. Yeah, and you've you figured out your way as well. It's like you have friendships that, that stop, basically, because you don't connect well anymore. And then you meet new people. Yeah. Uh, because you develop yourself as well, right? You change all the time. Yeah. And uh, if people don't develop with you or you lose connection, then that's uh, bad, but it happens. Well, I love the sentence that my flatmate said, which was, stop messaging first and see how many dead plants you're watering. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is definitely one of those things that due to Corona, I stopped messaging a lot of people and... Kind of relief, you know. Yeah, it's a fucking relief. It's I like, ah, oh, I don't have to worry about these people. They don't, 
I don't have to think about him anymore. Yeah, it empties your mind. It's like you're carrying this, oh, it's time, it's been a while, I think I gotta meet those people that I don't really love. Imagine that, you don't love them. I got to a point where I love my friends. All of them, yeah. Yeah, and they verbalize the same to me. And I don't think I can, I don't think I'm open to newer friendships, actually. <laughs> this sounds pretty weird, right? But I'm not, I don't, I think I have enough people that I love in my life. Yeah, I feel the same way. And that you want to invest in them, you know, because they're awesome. Yeah. 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 And I guess if circumstances change and I move to another country and I have no friends, then... You would have to make new friends again. Then you got to go through the superficial bullshit until you find people that you click. Yeah, and that, I think it's something that I, I don't look forward to in moving. Well, because don't let fear stop you. It no, got me really far. It's not going it's it's to stop me, but it's, um, it will cost me a lot of energy. You know, I'm an introvert. I value my really good friends and deep conversations, but just small talk exhausts me. <laughs> Yeah, when um, we walk the dog, it's almost all yeah, the time. It's like, oh, great weather, just right? Like so now, I'm like, bro, like, oh. are you the fucking weatherman? And why are you telling me that? <laughs> I can see Stunch. it myself. Yeah, so I know that you need to kind of, like get over a boundary. And I'm not that rude, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's a great, amazing weather. I'm usually really happy when it's amazing. Yeah, but I know that you need to get over a boundary and me to make the investment but it just it costs a lot of energy to do yeah. it it cost me too the first year of here in amsterdam i yeah i went through a lot until i finally found people i really enjoy after two years and i think you just also need to trust the process that the people will have a click with that they will come to you yeah i trust the process i mean i've lived in six countries i think i i yeah. feel comfortable about moving yeah that's good I had a conversation with a friend last week about this. She moved in with her boyfriend, Berlin. And that she always moved countries, basically, in her life. She lived in America, she lived in France, Netherlands. And she always said, like, yeah, when I, when I move to another country, I just leave the friends behind and I'll have a new life somewhere else. I, I don't care so much about the people that I leave behind. Yeah. But that this is actually the first time that she moved to Berlin. That she experiences that she really misses her friends in the Netherlands and that she never mm. had that feeling before of being so distant from your friends and feeling a bit alone as well. She did move during Corona, right? Yeah, that's right. But also that she doesn't really have the urge to meet new friends anymore because she has really good friends. Like yeah. what you just explained, it's like over wow. time you have these really close relationships and you're like, fuck. I gonna find people like this again that's why i'm saying that uh, unless circumstances would change i'm not making an effort but once they do i know you kind of have to yeah uh, but i know things will be great yes i'm also really positive i'm very this. positive yeah. because people love people that smile <laughs> and uh if there is something i can do well <laughs> 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 yes no I, I do have trust that you will find people everywhere in the world that you can click with well thank you that uh, pumps me up and uh, thank you very much for this conversation do you think this was fun it was fun yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot yeah. I uh, I was a bit afraid for the microphones <laughs> because I 
it just feels a bit um, yeah unnatural, I think. But it's not so bad. Well, I'm glad I helped you to have courage today. Yes. Deal with the bits of fear inside of you. Deal with the fake fears. <laughs> yeah, it's, we Come survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. I really enjoyed this. Thank you as well. I really enjoyed it too. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.